This is Make Money Count, brought to you by Connect Home Financing. I understand we're going to talk about something today that really has been a thorn in my side on the way it affected decent, honest people. And that is we're going to be talking about credit. And what, what just rips me apart is how people I know who were so proud of their credit rating, who who did absolutely everything right for maybe 40, 50 years of their life, all of a sudden last year around April started to discover that because the money wasn't there, the credit rating started to get bad and they just watched as the whole thing fell apart, honestly, through no fault of their own. And I have to guess you're getting a lot of calls from people who want to rebuild that back up. Yeah, listen, very... Oh, sorry, Justin. No, you don't. All I was going to say was definitely, like COVID has impacted so many families um, in how they operate, how they work, if they work, where they work. It's it's had a really, really pronounced impact on, you know, kind of the middle class and lower income families who were already struggling to begin with before COVID. So it it's it's reasonable to expect that when such a huge thing a huge macroeconomic event occurs that people's finances are going to be heavily impacted so um fortunately i can tell you that lately a lot of the stories that we're hearing are that of or those of rebuilding which you know is great and Justin, but, you brought up a really interesting point during the last show, and that is that some people think it may take them years to rebuild that credit rating, whereas you said it may be a matter of weeks or a couple of months, depending on how it all works out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I kind of wanted to to kind of um, name this episode or this radio show like credit, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Because things are really not that difficult to fix. There are certain circumstances, don't get me wrong, where um, it might take a good good amount of time to get things back to normal. But in most cases, as long as you're making your payments, because the biggest, so two of the biggest things are obviously, you know, missing payments and and your credit limit, right? 35% of your limit is where you kind of want to be. And as soon as you're above kind of 50 or 75% of your credit limit, that has a great effect on your credit. That's like the main thing that is affecting most people's credit nowadays because obviously they've been living off their debt. And once you fix that, I mean, the credit is fixed, right? So so it can be a really, really quick process. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people are scared of looking at their credit. They're scared of trying to go down that route, you know, like, you know, what they don't see won't hurt them, right? Um, but the sooner we do it, the better it's going to be for them in the long run, for sure. Matthew, it's kind of a theme for the show, and that is that uh, I guess kind of just as as Justin just said, overall things are probably not as bad as you think they are, and you can start rectifying those issues and find yourself well on the way to recovery. And all people really need to do is pick up the phone and and allow you guys to help them out. It, that's the first step in it is just starting that conversation. And so many people are embarrassed to talk about it. And I mean, it, we just went through probably the, the biggest financial crisis of our generation. And, you know, it's it causes so much mental health problems, stress in the family, stress within relationships. 
And we're also supposed to be at this time where like we're supposed to be openly talking about all of these things. Like our generation is supposed to be talking about our emotions. We're told to talk about we're told to talk about our relationship problems and to be honest about our mental health. But why aren't we mental? Why aren't we talking about our finances? Why aren't we openly talking about what's going on within the economy? What's going on in our home? How we get ahead in life? I mean, I can see this trend happening in the U.S. where people are walking out of their jobs because they're low-paying jobs. And I mean, obviously, the minimum wage is way lower than it is here in Canada. But is that trend going to come up here? Where does that like threshold of that conversation in that group, like everybody uniting for their own good of their like standing up for yourself means standing up for everybody like a rising tide lifts all ships that's the way that i look at it and we should be openly talking about these things having conversations on how we fix it marcus you've been doing you know working in various areas that involve money for you know decades and i don't think it's changed much i think it's there's something about discussing money that's just it's looked down on it's frowned upon it's something that you know, there was an article last year that said that people within the office should discuss their salaries with each other. And of course, you know, there was this huge blowback to how terrible this was. And now we're into this, uh, for a lot of people, this credit crunch, and they just feel un- completely uncomfortable discussing it with people. It's it's one of those areas where it's, you know, the, the money and death are just two areas that people do not discuss. I think uh, you've got a really good point. I think, and... Uh, Part of the, the 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 issue with discussing money is we don't even know who to discuss it with. Uh, initially, we're told that, and we're we're heavily marketed to, to speak with our bank. The issue then becomes, is how is our bank motivated when they're discussing our money with us? So, uh, the, the the key piece here is is that it's been made scary to talk about money because it's it's profitable for the people that lend us our money or the people who we invest our money with to keep it scary and to keep us not speaking about it but when you can find a financial advisor a mortgage broker a firm like connect that that you feel comfortable discussing these really really important financial decisions with you're on the first you're on the path like that's your first step on the path towards taking control of your financial life it's so critical so for sure it's we always say right it starts off as this big scary thing either because you're worried about how to invest your money but more often than not you're worried about the expense that your debt is 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 um, is creating for you each and every month. So beginning the discussion with somebody that you trust that can provide an unbiased opinion is it will make all the difference. And eventually that anxiety that you have discussing it will fall off, fall away. But one of the areas we've discussed before is the fact that you know, Marcus, you're absolutely right. People don't know who to discuss this with. And I think especially nowadays, people are concerned that the person they are discussing it with um, has that person's best interest at heart and not necessarily mine per se. So, you know, and I mean, that's one of the areas you've mentioned before that, you know, no one at Connect is out to make themselves rich on your clients. 
You know, it's not easy to create a company in the financial services sector with motivational alignment with its customers because you can't just pay people heavy commissions in order to come on board and sell borrowers and investors. Once you do that, once you incentivize the wrong parts of the customer sales cycle, you destroy all credibility, you no longer have unbiased staff. So what we, what I've done, and now what Justin helps me with, is we try to find people that are like ourselves, that are motivated by more than just what the commission check is, that are motivated by creating an ecosystem, creating an environment where the people we're speaking to on the phone are comfortable to talk about debt because they know the answers that they're going to get from us are unbiased and they are in their best interest. The only way you can do that is by removing commissions from the equation. So keeping everyone on a salary, paying your staff well, but paying them to issue and to advise in an unbiased fashion. And once we figured that part of the equation out by getting the right people together and figuring out how those people could best serve our customer base, now we know we know what we've got. Like, this is this is so different for any from any of our competitors, from any of our peers. The way we've modeled our company really, with the first phone call into Connect, anyone who's listening to this show or watching us on our TV show right now, you will notice a huge difference. Either a difference from how you're dealing with your bank right now, how you may have dealt in the past with a financial advisor. The people that you're speaking to at Connect, number one, most of them have been through the exact same problems you have or the situations that you're going through. I know, I, you know I've had credit issues in the past when I was younger. You know, I bought investment property. Justin's credit was a complete disaster when I first <laughs> met him. And Matt, I don't even Matt has a credit score. <laughs> I was raised in the gutter, remember. Don't judge me. It is true, though, and that's, I think that's a really important thing to remember is that everyone has been through this. It's not You're not being judged. You're being helped. During the last break, we were talking about people picking up the phone, giving Connect a call, and you are there to really help as opposed to sitting at home worrying and, and you know trying to figure out possible solutions to problems that they don't even have. One of the things that you brought up, though, was you know, trusting the advice you get. And I remember someone telling me once before, and it always stuck with me that if you only have a hammer, every problem in life you're going to see is a nail. And for a lot of financial advisors, you know, if they can only offer you five products, those are the only five products you're ever going to see. And yet the people don't know that. And that's what I was getting at at the during the last segment was that, you know, the average person out there picks up the phone and kind of throws themselves on the number that they're dialing, assuming that, that that these people are there to help. And to be blunt, those people may not have the best interests of that caller at heart. So, I, I mean, if you're calling a bank, they almost certainly do not. Yeah, it's very true. The main question that I get from clients, uh, usually on the first phone call, is either, you know, uh, why should I use a mortgage broker? And, you know, what makes you guys different from other mortgage brokers is usually the follow-up question. 
And the answer that I give them to why should I use a mortgage broker, and you kind of mentioned it, was like when you go to a financial advisor, you go, uh, well, at a bank, and if you go to the bank, you fit into one box, right? And, you know, too many times we see people telling or people getting told that there's no options for them. So when you come to a mortgage broker, um, you know, whether it be us or somebody else, the door is really open and, and, and you know, the, the amount of options that are available to you, you know, they, they, you know, they multiply pretty quickly, right? Because people aren't, um, people aren't the same, right? People are snowflakes. There's everybody's a little different. So, you know, going to the, to going to the place where you're going to get the most amount of options and the most amount of boxes to fit in is, is, is definitely the right way to go here. Oh, I really like that snowflake. You like the snowflake? That was nice. You know, and like, and more to the point, it is natural that people are going to have a relationship with a bank. It's far more probable that people have their only relationship with a bank when it comes to discussing anything relating, let's just mortgages for now, right? The, the probability is you've only dealt with your bank in the past. If you've dealt with a mortgage broker, amazing. But it's very likely that the marketing efforts of the bank and the fact that you had a bank account when you were a kid has guided you through the bank's process and has kept you there as a client dealing with them for your mortgage. Now, the idea that that bank and all of its profitability are going to provide you, number one, with unbiased advice, but more importantly, with all of the available options to you is incredible. Like nobody should ever believe that. The bank has only an interest in selling you the products that they have available. It is extremely rare that a banker will ever say to you, you know, your gross debt service ratio is above our threshold to lend you money. But did you know that in Ontario, a credit union can qualify your mortgage at a lower interest rate, which will allow you to qualify for the mortgage you need to pay off the unsecured debt that you're drowning in right now? Even though they have that information, which unfortunately, a lot of the people on the other end of that table do not have that information. But even if they did have that information, they wouldn't even be allowed to tell you about it because they'd be moving you from that bank to another institution. I'll tell you something. I'm, I want to. I've, I've been meaning to put this in today. Our prime minister, who you know, say what you want about his policies and 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 what's happening. Like, why would you call an election right now? But on his election platform, he has now started to talk about the bank's profits over the last eighteen months. He's making it a part of his platform to bring into focus that our banks should be taxed at a higher rate. And there clearly is some type of an issue with just how profitable they are. Keep in mind, the profitability of those banks is essentially a tax on all Canadians. So, I mean, you'll see we've got uh, buses and billboards now around the city from Connect that, is, that are meant to congratulate the Canadian banks. So if you see them, they'll say, congratulations, Canada's big banks on $40 billion worth of profit over COVID. Maybe take a picture of him and like, I, I don't know the whole Instagram thing, Matt knows better, but take a picture and hashtag connect if you see one uh, driving around the city. But it, it's a it's a big issue. So there's there's two things here. Number one, the banks aren't, they're pe the people that work for the bank aren't going to be unbiased with you. So when you go to them to ask them questions about your finances, they're going to answer them from the perspective of the bank. And even if 
that person on the other end of the bank is your cousin or nephew or uncle or, or good friend, understand that because of the strength of the bank's lobbying power and because of how the National Housing Act even was written, the employees of the banks are not required to be educated on the financial products that they sell you. It's the only, I mean, it's, it's just amazing that they don't need to be trained or licensed in selling mortgages, and yet they're able to sit there and sell you mortgages. So even if they're someone you trust, they might not have the tools required to give you the proper advice. Interesting, uh, your comments on Trudeau there. I have a quote from Bill Morneau uh, reacting to that. He said, right, sure. That's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> the oh, Bill Morneau I mean, is, is the ultimate, is, <laughs> the ultimate bag man of the Canadian banks. This is such a difficult area for people to understand. And I mean, you can say it, you could say just that over and over. And I still don't think the message would get across that. And, and we've talked about it before. It's the bank's responsibility to make a profit. That's it's their legal responsibility to make a profit. And when you walk in there, you need to understand that. I mean, you're, you're one of the fish that they're hoping to catch. And what's more profitable than keeping people hungry? What's more profitable for these banks than to ensure when you're slipping a little bit, that they pile a little more unsecured credit onto you, they impact your credit score negatively, tie you even closer to that bank, you're never going to get unbiased advice from a bank. You're going to get the, the advice that makes the most sense, that provides the most profit to the bank. And listen, I will say something else. Canadians are getting smarter. And Justin and Matt, you can speak to this too, because you're speaking to people on the phone all the time. I see the conversations that, that we're having with, with borrowers and investors, and they are becoming more, more well-informed. So there is definitely a trend. That trend is moving against the banks. Financial technology will change that. Literacy, financial literacy for Canadians will change that. And we mentioned earlier what's happening in the United States. Canada's always 10 to 15 years behind the United States, but we get there eventually. We're a little slower. We're a little more polite maybe sometimes, but we're going to get there. And the banks definitely feel this trend. So... Like, I don't want to just say, you know, the Canadian consumer is uneducated on these financial products. They're not. They're getting smarter. We're starting to shop. We're starting to speak to other people other than our banks. And it's going to continue. And the banks are definitely worried about it. So my advice to Canadians is keep the banks worried. Continue to ask questions. And don't ever be scared about calling somebody for a second opinion on your mortgage, on your investments, on your bank account. If you're wondering how influential your bank is upon everything about the financial market, look at Canadian banks around the globe and look at other global banks' influence in Canada. You don't see, like, every bank, all the big six, five, big five, they're all Canadian banks. And then you see them expanding all around the world. You don't see them come, other banks coming into Canada. The first thing I saw when I landed in Jamaica a while ago was a Scotiabank building. Right, right outside of the airport. That's what Kingston. I mean. They're everywhere. Yeah, Marcus, you're online from Rome, Italy. It's just amazing because if you didn't mention it to anyone, everyone would assume we're all just sitting in the same room chatting. I am indeed. Yeah, I've been in Italy for about a week now. 
the technology really is amazing. And I, I have to guess that, uh, Marcus, especially because of the decades, I mean, we talked about how you started and kind of moved up. The, the technology that you have at your fingertips today, not and, and some of it, a lot of it for that matter, is technology that you have, you know, taking a, taken a leading role in designing. Um, it just has to blow your mind when you sit back and, and consider what you can do today, as opposed to, you know, even five, ten years ago. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing. Like the, the ability to keep an eye on the business and see what's happening and watch our deals. And I mean, listen, there's no substitute for the people. So, you know, if, if we didn't have the team that we, we have at Connect that functions the way it does, there's no way I could travel. Um, but yeah, it lets me look at opportunities that are as far as Italy. Yeah. And it also allows you to make sure that, you know, that your clients are getting the absolute best that's available to them because you're not, you know, you don't have to open a filing cabinet and go through 20 manila folders to try and find out. It's, it's right there. Justin, you know, you're, you're typing the information in and it's, it's right in front of you what the options are, what the best routes may be. Um, really for your clients, you have everything at your fingertips. Yeah, for sure. So when you become a client of Connect, I always joke around I always joke around with clients when we're done working together. I always say, uh, I always say, Hey, you're not going to get rid of me that easy because you know, connect, we have a CRM here that keeps track of your mortgage. When it's time to lock in your mortgage from a variable rate to a fixed rate, when there's a better rate available for you, when there's an opportunity to access equity, property values are increasing, whatever the case may be, our, our, our CRM spits those opportunities at us and we give you a show to make sure that you are in the best possible mortgage right now. Clients always ask me, should, it, should I take a variable rate? I'm worried about it going up. Don't worry. We're going to be in touch with you. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be there to make sure that at the exact moment that you should be locking into a fixed rate, whether it be with the, the lender that you're at right at that moment or whether it be somewhere else, you know, we're going to be there for you. So, so for sure. And, and, and without technology, it wouldn't be like that. Someone in our office actually was asking me how to manually calculate mortgage payments and, and GDS and TDS calculations. And it blew his mind. And he said, well, I'm glad we have these, uh, <laughs> these uh, computer programs to do this on nowadays. Marcus, that is another <laughs> huge difference in the company that you've built, though, is that you're not just... You know, the client doesn't just sign up and then a year later you kind of blow the dust off their file and make sure that everything's okay. This is ongoing, 24-7, you know, eyes on the ball kind of thing. It's forever. It's it literally, it's your, your best mortgage today and forever. That's what Connect's all about. It's, it's, not, it's not one event. It's, it's a relationship that we want to build with, each and every person that we do business with and it's two-sided right like you know we when we gain the trust of our borrowers we can never let them down so part of that is is by holding up our end of the bargain and that is you know heavy investment in technology heavy investment in good people so that if at any point an opportunity comes up for you to save money we're notifying you about it. And again, that kicks back to this motivational alignment, right? Like without motivational alignment, without having a group 
that is entirely on your side, ensuring that you are saving money, you're lost. You'll be lost with a bank. So uh, it really is, it's, it's a long-term relationship we're looking to build with our borrowers. And part of that kicks back to a lot of times when people first call us, especially right now we're getting calls where the penalty is just too high. And it doesn't make sense to break an existing mortgage. And people say, well, so you know, what should I do? Well, we've got all of your information now. We know exactly when will be the right time to break, if it will be a good time to break. And we also know when your mortgage comes up for maturity. So we'll be in touch with you. You are now one of our clients. We consider you to be one of our clients the moment mm. you provide us with your mortgage details. You give us your mortgage details, we are responsible to you. That's when the, the, if you call it illegally, our fiduciary duty, our responsibility to our clients comes from the moment we receive their mortgage details. That's it. And that's a huge difference. And I think that's really important. If it's not a good time to break that mortgage, then you'll say right now is not a good time. Uh, you know, we'll sit back and wait and get in touch with you when it is a good time and then have that discussion. Then I think that's fantastic. It's unbiased. It's, it's the, you know, it's a whole piece of the puzzle that makes it work. Well, Marcus, I mentioned that uh, you're up. Sorry, who? Oh, I just said it's what we're about. It was just an ad lib. I was just, I was just kicking in there. Okay, say well, it again I, though. I'll, I'll, I'll say though uh, uh, that what I was talking to a client last week, and uh, um, they 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 were looking into breaking their mortgage, and I said, you know, if you if you want to send over the 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 year end mortgage statement, we can look into what the the penalty is to break that mortgage. And they were going to cost them $13,000 to break that mortgage. And they were like, oh, man, I don't know what to do now. I need to finish these renovations in the basement. We looked at it. The money that they wanted to, to get to finish the basement, like the interest on that on a second mortgage, uh, it, it was way cheaper than $13,000 than to break that mortgage to access that equity. And then in a year's time when that second mortgage uh, is up for uh, renewal, we're going to be looking into that refinancing option then in order to get them out of that. So now they have access to that capital at a cheaper price than what they needed to. And we're looking at a solution of how do we get that paid back so that it's not over their head forever. Like we don't want, I as a person do not want to give you a second mortgage that's over your head for longer than a year. Like morally, I just feel bad about it. Like it just doesn't make sense. We're always going to look for a solution here. It, like That means that I plan to be here next year. I plan to be here in a few years when we, like, that's the plan. If you talk to other brokers, they plan to be other other. Places. Where are you going to go after a few years, Matt? I'm, You're not I'm going not, anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. He's actually chained to his desk right now. <laughs> Marcus mentioned at the beginning of this segment, uh, you're sitting in Rome right now. I'm just curious, you know, the, the different attitudes you've noticed between the European way of doing things and North American ways, especially when it comes to areas like credit, like loans, stuff like that. Culturally, you can see it uh, in, with some of the clients we deal with in Toronto, but I would say in, in, in Italy, for sure, it's much more, uh, it's, it, the family unit is 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 much more important when 
uh, any type of decision, you know, financial decision like home ownership comes into play. I think demographically speaking, uh, home ownership happens a little later here. Um, there aren't as many federal programs. There are there isn't as much incentive for home ownership for for younger people. It's not culturally as ingrained as it is in Canada that you got to have a house. And a lot of younger people will live in a part of their parents' home. Uh, with their parents or in like a you know another kind of apartment within the house and when it comes time for a house it's far more common to see parents and other relatives co-sign with the with the kids in in Canada and this is something we really do try to enforce with our borrowers in Canada that is somewhat discouraged by our banks uh, because it might help people qualify for lower interest rates, it might help people qualify for more money, it might help people consolidate debt. Um, so we always say, I mean, especially like if we've got borrowers who are, you know, considering a debt consolidation or um, perhaps they're in a B mortgage, it's always a great idea to look at everyone around you. And if you've got a close family and you know, there's equity in the real estate, it always makes sense to, um, to, to bring in the help from very close around you. There's no point in paying inflated interest rates on unsecured credit or from a, a B or C mortgage lender if you can utilize the strength of the credit and the income of those who are, you know, those you love to work with you um, obviously, you got to be really careful that you don't screw them up. And uh, Justin, uh, I understand you have uh, quite a few emails in front of you there. Absolutely, absolutely. I will. Uh, I'll start with one right now. So <clears throat> uh, we have Becca. Um, Becca asked. So I recently spoke with my bank about options because my credit cards and lines of credit are at max. I thought it would. Uh, I thought it would be a great idea to refinance my mortgage, but since I've been riding my limits for a while now, they're saying that my credit is too low. They suggested, and this is in brackets, which I was pretty shocked by, and so am I, Becca. Don't worry, uh, that I speak with a mortgage broker to get everything approved. I saw your TV show on CHCH on Saturday morning, so I thought you, I would give you a shout. And by the way, just before Marcus answers this email, our show is on at 8.30 in the morning on CHCH every Saturday morning. So if you want to see our beautiful faces, tune in. You know, there's there, okay, so I think, first of all, we should be excited that someone at a bank figured that Becca should probably get some help right now and not continue to spiral in more and more unsecured debt. Unfortunately, I could bet you dollars to donuts that the only reason why that happened is because the little computer program that that person was working on said, we can't squeeze any more out of Becca. We can't give her any more unsecured credit. Um, and maybe they felt bad. Uh, then I can tell you that when we do speak to Becca, there's probably a whole bunch of solutions. First of which is let's get that unsecured credit off of her credit report. Again, we always talk about how important timing is with any of these decisions. 
And if you're not speaking to someone who is unbiased and his is who look is looking out for you, you're going to end up with unsecured credit. And the longer you carry unsecured credit, the lower your credit score will drop. So the first thing we would do here is is we've got to get that unsecured credit off of the bureau. So, you know, we do an analysis right away. You know, I don't know how low the credit score is. All I know is that whatever financial institution she's working with, it doesn't meet their requirements. That does not mean that it doesn't meet another financial institution's requirements. It does not mean that, you know, because the stress, let's say she's with Royal Bank. It doesn't mean that because her credit score doesn't fit with Royal Bank and maybe her income isn't enough for Royal Bank right now. It doesn't mean that we can't move her to a credit union or a mortgage finance company with more likely than not a better interest rate and fully qualify her. If we can't, I love Justin said this last show, typically credit gets fixed in three months. So if you're super stressed that your credit score dropped and your banker told you you can't do something, wait three months, pull it off to credit, put it pull it off the unsecured side, consolidate it into a home equity loan or a three-month term, and over that three-month period, we obtain an approval for you from another lender, and we clean everything off the credit report, we move you over to another lender, you have one payment, more likely than not, with interest rates as low as they are right now, that one payment will be less than just your mortgage payment right now, let alone the fact that it'll include all of that unsecured debt that's clearly causing you some stress. So. Thank you to the bank, I guess, for recommending a mortgage broker, but we're on to you. We know that it's only because you couldn't get any more blood out of the stone. It's crazy to me, like when I when I when I read that email and, and when I hear uh, you know Marcus kind of talk about it, and like when I come here, uh, you can ask Matt. I'm just like a robot, like just like I'm just like go go go, right? So I don't stop to think a lot, but like I would say that more clients that I have right now that I can count on my fingers and toes are in the exact situation, the exact same situation where it's like, you know, credit's a little low. We need to fix it up. It's not going to take that long. Your situation's not that bad. Let's get you back on track. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, it, when you really think about it, there's, when I really think about it, sorry, there are a lot of clients that I'm working with that are in the exact situation right now. And it's a constant and it's a constant thing for us. And we love helping. Justin, Justin, you got to think of the big picture. The reason why people are in this situation has been planned. Mm -hmm. It's because it's far more profitable to provide somebody with unsecured credit than it is to refinance a mortgage. 100%. It's far more profitable to get somebody holding on to 10, 12, 20% money for an indefinite period of time. The concern is not what the impact is on the credit. The concern is what the impact is on the income statement of the bank that's lending them the money. And I mean, let's not even discuss the fact that how is it possible that 10 years ago, the banks made a concerted effort to issue collateralized mortgage charges. Like, never mind the fact that, I, again, I will bet you 100 bucks right now that Becca has a collateralized mortgage charge on her property. Which means that the bank has secured for 100 or 125% of the value of her property. She probably only has 50 to 60% loan to value on that mortgage, but she's pledged all of the equity in her home. And yet still, she's paying credit card 
and unsecured credit rates when the bank has full security for that money. It's it's a it's a game. It's all a game. And if you keep going to your bank and you keep listening to what they tell you, we're going to keep being in the same same situation.